Welcome back for another installment of While You Were Fishing, episode two. Feels so official. Anyway, thanks for coming back, guys, and I will tell you some stuff that's going on. We are officially over one week out of Steve having left to go fishing. It is June 1st in the year 2020. Last week, I talked about halibuts and old believers. I have a few quick corrections and shout outs from my Memorial Day weekend trip to Homer. First off, Kirsten's big fish was actually 54 inches and 77 pounds. I got a little carried away, but who doesn't love a big fish tail? With everything that's been happening with COVID and a lot of businesses being hit hard with lack of tourism, I wanted to plug some of the amazing people I've come to know along the years that make my non-traditional tradition of halibut fishing in Homer so special. And if you should find yourself in Homer, please support these amazing people. Captain Tom of Halibut Hunter Charters is my favorite salty captain, and I go with him every year. And he does not disappoint, and we always fill our freezers with halibut and other such fish, so I highly recommend him. And loads of fun. Um, the amazing and quick-knifed fillet artists of Buttwhackers. Ajan, we really missed you this year. I hope you made it back safely from Mexico. Um, Homer Fish Processing. They always do an amazing job picking up the fish from the boat and or the dock. And they do flash freezing and vacuum sealing of your fish that you caught. Last but not least, some amazing restaurants that have managed to feed us all during these strange times. Finn's Pizza. Wild Honey, Mike's Alaskan Eatery, which is great for sandwiches to bring on your fishing charters, and last but not least, The Little Mermaid. Also, who could forget the one, the only, Salty Dog Saloon, where bills are hung, bras are flung, and underwear hangs from the ceiling for that old Homer spit feeling. I hope you all enjoyed that fantastic rhyme. This past week, the weather turned a bit from the epically forever sunny hot days to a more doom and gloom gray clouds and rain. I did, however, manage to check out the Alaska Rock Gym, which I was so stoked to have finally reopen. I really, really missed climbing and the community. It was definitely a little odd. Um, Running on the treadmill in a mask is definitely a skill I did not possess, despite having to wear a mask at work for nine to 10 hours, five days a week. But alas, these are the days of our Corona times. I did also manage to sneak in a subsesh with some friends before the rain clouds did eventually come in and settle. And to spin a cheesy phrase to segue into a more serious topic, I think it's a valid to discuss the darkening clouds on our country at present. I attended the um, Anchorage Solidarity Rally for George Floyd. For those of you who don't know, a black man in Minneapolis who died in the hands, or in this case, knee, of police brutality. 
the officer pinned Floyd to the ground with his knee, suffocating him despite cries that he couldn't breathe for eight minutes. Can we just pause and think about this? Eight minutes. Eight minutes. Here are some things you can accomplish in eight minutes. You can almost bake a batch of cookies, uh, preferably chocolate chip. Mine take nine minutes, but you know, you get the idea. You could clear out your inbox. You could load, unload, fold laundry. For most normal people, you would shower, unless you're me, in which case I'm sure Steve is listening to this and attesting wherever he may be at this moment. Um, And whenever he gets cell service, I know, I know, I know. I'm the worst. And our water bill, et cetera, et cetera. I get it, I get it. I'll be faster. Other things you can do in eight minutes. You could wash the dishes, load and or unload the dishwasher. You know what you cannot and should not ever do in eight minutes? Kneel on someone's fucking neck. Brain damage can begin within one minute or two of total oxygen deprivation. At the five minute mark, death of brain cells and severe brain damage that accompanies it becomes inevitable. Most people will die within 10 minutes of total oxygen deprivation. myself in a constant state of disbelief lately that this is our reality it's incredibly sad that basic human rights need to be fought for everyone should be able to live without fear i'm embarrassed that this is the current state of our nation and has been for much longer than we maybe even realized home of the free and land of the brave is more like home of the haves and land to enslave the have-nots obama recently said It's natural to wish life to just get back to normal. But we have to remember that for millions of Americans, being treated differently on account of race is tragically, painfully, maddeningly normal. A friend of mine told me of an acquaintance of hers that is nervous to drive his own car at night because a black man driving a nice car in Texas draws attention. He doesn't feel comfortable going to the grocery store during COVID times because a black man with a mask scares people. While I'm a proud Latina, I'm a white Latina. Imagine if trivial everyday tasks required such careful detail and planning for something as simple as running to the grocery store to get some groceries, or the act of running for fitness or even fun, being afraid that you will be targeted and shot down for exercising your right to be running outside. Colin Kaepernick took a knee as a silent form of protest and it caused an uproar. He was ostracized for his protests against police brutality on unarmed black citizens. Derek Chauvin took a knee for eight minutes. Eight minutes, ending a human life. The national anthem is an average of one minute and 53 seconds. Tell me this, which kneeling offends you more? As if the present wasn't bad enough, let's take a look at what happened 99 years ago, almost to the day. The Tulsa Race Massacre. The Tulsa Race Massacre, also called the Tulsa Race Riot, the Greenwood Massacre, or the Black Wall Street Massacre of 1921, took place on May 31st and June 1st, 1921. 
when mobs of white residents attacked black residents and businesses of the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It has been called the single worst incident of racial violence in American history. The attack carried out on the ground and from private aircraft destroyed more than 35 square blocks of the district. At the time, the wealthiest black community in the United States, known as Black Wall Street. The massacre began over Memorial Day weekend after 19-year-old Dick Rowland, a black shoeshiner, was accused of assaulting Sarah Page, the 17-year-old white elevator operator of the nearby Drexel building. He was taken into custody. A subsequent gathering of angry local whites outside the courthouse where Rowland was being held and the spread of rumors he had been lynched alarmed the local black population, some of whom arrived at the courthouse armed. Shots were fired and 12 people were killed, 10 white and 2 black. As the news of these deaths spread throughout the city, mob violence exploded. White rioters rampaged through the black neighborhood that night and morning, killing men and burning and looting stores and homes. And only around noon the next day, Oklahoma National Guard troops managed to get control of the situation by declaring martial law. About 10,000 black people were left homeless and property damage amounted to more than 1.5 million in real estate and 7,500,000 in, in personal property. That would be the equivalent of 32.25 million in 2019. More than 800 people were admitted to hospitals and as many as 6,000 black residents were interned at large facilities, many for several days. The Oklahoma Bureau of Vital Statistics officially recorded 36 dead. A 2001 state commission examination of events was able to confirm 39 dead, 26 black and 13 white based on contemporary autopsy reports, death certificates and other records. The commission gave overall estimates from 75 to 100 to 150 to 300 dead. How many more people need to die at the hands of racism? Think of all those people who survive police brutality and injustice that we don't even hear about because we live in a jaded society where basic human rights aren't acknowledged. The color of our skin, our gender, our sexual preference, our nationalities, our ethnicities, should have nothing to do with our rights. All humans deserve equal rights, to love and to live freely. I'm sorry that this episode took a dark turn this week, but I'm not sorry for shedding light to an obvious issue. I really think that change is possible, and it begins with a spark that grows into a fire. While the spark may be harmless, the fire always burns and it grows. We can be the spark to ignite fire of change. I know that things have been extremely difficult with COVID and especially now with all the riots and rallies due to police brutality and violence and just the general unrest in our nation at the moment. But I really do think it's important that we talk about these issues because the more we ignore, the more we're silent, the more it continues to happen. I don't want to sit here and just hear about these awful atrocities continuing to happen. I want to do something about it. And if there's anything that anyone listening to this 
has to contribute, I would love to be a part of the spark to ignite change. So please uh, get at me. My email is while you were fishing in ak at gmail.com. So again, please email me any ideas, thoughts, commentary, if you just want to chat about how terrible our current scenario in 2020 is, please feel free. And I hope to hear from you all soon. And uh, stay tuned for hopefully some more lighthearted tales and fun times. Until then, see you next time. Thank you.